You are listening to The Conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio. This morning, our in-studio guests are Senator Glenn Wakai, who represents a district covering Pearl Harbor to Kalihi. He's also the chair of the State Senate Committee on Energy, Economic Development, and Tourism. Good morning. Good morning. Aloha, Catherine. And Chris Kinimaka is the Public Works Administrator for the Department of Accounting and General Services. Thank you for being here. Aloha, Catherine. Thank you. And we are talking about what's being called the New Aloha Stadium Entertainment District. So, Senator Wakai, explain why do we need to do this? Well, this is a golden opportunity for the state to monetize its lands. You look at the state, we're land rich and we're cash poor. And that's partially because we don't look at our land assets and figure out how if appropriate, we can really create revenues. And here's 98 acres of prime urban real estate that can bring in substantial revenues. You look at the way the state has uh, traditionally brought in funds, either we're going to raise your taxes or we're going to increase fees. And I'm a believer that instead of us digging deeper into people's pockets, let's create more pockets. And this is a substantial pocket that we're creating with the Aloha Stadium redevelopment there. Um, We're talking about tens of millions of dollars for the decades to come in new revenues that the taxpayers of Hawaii won't have to directly have have to pay for, you know, uh, teacher salary increases, new roads, and whatever government services are needed in the future. So we really have this golden opportunity to realign our views on state lands and not just let them sit fallow, but allow them to really come alive and benefit the public. And we've talked about this with the community for the past 10 years. So that Salt Lake, Aiea, Aliomano area, they are ready. They've been talking and preparing for this day for the past 10 years. Now, the stadium is shuttered. (laughs) And so, Chris, talk about the timeline. You know, uh, when can we expect to see that demolished and uh, what's the plan for uh, building a new one? Thank you, Catherine. We're very excited because just last month we issued the request for proposals part one for the real estate portion. And what that's going to do is allow the industry to come through with their qualifications now and their teams to tell us how they envision the development for the 98 acres within our guidelines. Their submittals are due this December, and we're going to be announcing the priority to save respondents by January of next year. By February, we're going to roll it and turn it right back around and tell them now let's put some money where your mouth is and show us your detailed proposals. And by the end of next year, we expect to enter into contract for the real estate. For the stadium portion, we already have three priority listed respondents. They will be getting their part two, and that's the fun one where we tell them, again, show us your designs and your concepts. That's going to be issued in December, and they will turn around and give us their proposals, and our evaluations would also result in contracts by the end of next year. Once that happens, then the developers will start to put together their designs, and we could look at demolishing the existing stadium as soon as 2023. Okay, so still... A couple years away, though. Yes. All right. Well, we did uh, hear from the three governors who uh, had this idea, dropped this bombshell. Uh, I guess to some it's the 11th hour. The folks have been planning uh, in the background uh, for what will uh, spring up at that site. But their idea was to uh, put the pause on the stadium project there at Helava and to build it in Manoa. Uh, We did reach out to uh, John Fink, who sits on the executive committee of the Stadium Authority. Uh, He essentially said, you know, we need to stay the course. UH utilizes Aloha Stadium seven or eight times a year, and we need to also be looking at how we can maximize the value on a cherry property that's going to have a great rapid transit station right there, easy access uh, to the uh, highways to get people back out to the Leeward side or over to the Windward side or more into town. It is the perfect location. All the studies have shown that. So utilizing that stadium for all of the other things because it would be a complete entertainment district and knowing that UH as well as the high schools and others are valued partners of ours, I still think that makes the most sense on a going forward basis. Senator Bukai? I totally agree. And, you know, this idea and notion of putting affordable housing instead of a stadium there, uh, maybe that might have been plausible many years ago. But to drop that discussion point now, as uh, Chris mentioned, in a month, things are really moving forward. So 
the the issues that the governors have raised about affordable housing needs, that's certainly something that needs to be discussed. But why focus it on this 98 acres when we're, we're ready to get out the gate and start moving forward on this? Because any delays in this project are not good for the project. Delays only mean a frustrated public that doesn't get a stadium or whatever development in timely fashion. And most importantly, the public's going to have to pay for these delays, right? Cement labor costs are not going to go on sale in the future. So the longer we delay, the more, longer, more distractions like we have with these uh, offers of, of just foregoing the stadium is only going to impact and negatively impact uh, the public. We really need to start moving forward on this and get behind this program. And if you want to say, here's how we can make it better, that's great. But to say to abandon the project, that's not helpful. Yeah, I mean, the governors had talked about, you know, the time has passed for a large stadium, uh, you know, 50,000-seater. Uh, and they said, you know, their dreams of a professional leagues coming to Hawaii just never materialized. Uh, here's Governor Wahe'e and Governor Cayetano. When I hear the senator talking, it's a lot of deja vu. I mean, between the, t the three of us, we got 100 years of deja vu of all these teams that were going to come, that was interested in coming. We had NASCAR racing potentials at the, at the uh, stadium. We had the Islanders. What people ought to know about uh, the Islander experience was that it, it, it initially had a huge fan base. And the problem with playing with AAA ball is then when you start winning the pennant and all your good players got pulled up to the major leagues. Sure. So the, within two seasons, there was nobody really, or it wasn't as large as support. In the past, and John and Neil know where this, when you can talk about Hawaii getting an NFL team, yeah. what a dream it was, you know? But uh, the reality is, the time zone of Hawaii is not conducive to a good TV market. So it, the NFL, it never came. And the same concerns would apply to any other sports franchise that, was, that was, wants to come here. Right. Hawaii's market is too small, period. Yeah, I mean, the governors were uh, uh, you know, pretty uh, strong in, in their belief that we just need to right-size and be realistic. Uh, we did uh, talk to John Fink, you know, yesterday uh, about this issue of our time zone. <laughs> Here's what he had to say. Depending on what sport and what, what, we're, what we're talking about, there's always going to be that. And it's obviously been adapted to quite well with games like the Pro Bowl and the Hawaii Bowl over the years in Hawaii. So uh, we happen to be in a, in a nice window sometimes. Where we can be the last game of the day, which is actually very lucrative for broadcasters and streaming networks, or we can be in a time zone where other people are not playing, which is what tends to happen with the Hawaii Bowl, which for most of its lifetime has been played on uh, New Year, uh, Christmas Eve uh, at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, which is prime time on the East Coast, which means when people are done with their family dinners and opening their gifts, they can watch great football games. So we actually have time zone that works to our advantage at times. Um, one of the problems we do have, though, is because of our, say, regular season football games, they tend to end late for the rest of the country. And so it's just a natural problem if you're starting games at 6 o'clock in Hawaii and it's either midnight or 11 a.m. on the East Coast. That's not going to make the next day's newspaper. It won't make the highlights that night. And, uh, you know, uh, you want to call that the price of paradise? I mean, that's what it is. We have a different time zone out here. But we've dealt with it forever. So uh, it really is not problematic. And with more and more resources available in terms of um, streaming services and cable networks and certainly the broadcast interest, uh, having a game from Hawaii will always be of interest because they're all looking for um, product. And getting a game from Hawaii should always be of interest to somebody somewhere. So that was John Fink, uh, who's with the Stadium Authority, just kind of... Uh outlining some of the possibilities uh, or the, I guess the, the drawbacks and the pluses because of our time zone. Um, I don't know if you've had much discussion with folks ab about that. Well, in addition to our location, um, we, ju we are just a small market. There's only 1.4 million people here. And unfortunately or fortunately, TV drives a lot of entertainment and sports entertainment in particular. So we don't have a large enough fan base to warrant an NFL Franchise. That's why I think we're, we're, we, meaning that myself and the stadium authority board members, are 
being reasonable and looking at kind of the next level of uh, entities to come here, looking at rugby to come here, looking at uh, uh, minor league soccer uh, to come here. And I would like to say that, you know, everything that we've heard just previously was oriented towards the U.S. fan base. But by the same token, look at the Asian fan base. Look at where Hawaii can be positioned in rugby, for, for example, to be shown in Tokyo, to be shown in New Zealand, to be shown in Australia. Um, so we can't be only fixated on a U.S television market. There's a huge market that the rest of the United States is not paying attention to that maybe Hawaii should be paying attention to. Well, we have heard that though, right? I mean, uh, baseball, uh, the teams in Japan, right? We were trying to get them yes. here at one point. Exactly. If, if I can add on to that too, the research into the market that we're trying to gather from has gone back at least 10 years. We've been very much in contact with all of the potential events that would come in. And Senator Wakai is right. We have to open our breath up to the real audience, which is international. We're in the center of the Pacific Rim. We have interest from Asia, from Australia, for sports, but also for events. And when we looked at downsizing the stadium, because we are, instead of 50,000 seats, we're looking at ideally at the end of the day, 30 to 35,000 seats. We did talk to the NFL. We did talk to the different sports and events people. And they're saying, we want a fan experience that will draw in not only the fans locally, but something that we can also broadcast because that's real the, where the real money is. And I'll try to give a quick anecdote. My son played an um, international gaming experience, right? It was shot in a 100,000 seat stadium in Korea. It was sold out. All the kids were on their phones watching the game internationally. In fact, the players were from international realms. His team had someone from Germany, someone from Kentucky, and he was from Hawaii. The time bounds are really not uh, an issue as much anymore. With virtual meetings, we've gone past that. So really what we're looking at is a stadium that's an entertainment venue. We want to make sure it has all the qualities we need so that when performances want to come here, they don't have to lug all of their stage and sound and lighting. We're ready to go and fully wired for broadcasting. And that's something that we realize is also important to the University of Hawaii and our kids. You know, what a great boost for the local athletes to say, I saw a soccer game there, I want to play there, and when I get into a tournament, I tend to be on TV. People will know about Hawaii. So we really are talking about more than just the stadium, but also more than just United States and Hawaii, right? Yep. Um, we had a comment come in from Jim from Aina Haina. Uh, he says he works in the stage and lighting uh, area, and he says there's no way a stadium at UH would be able to accommodate a Bruno Mars concert and parking. Uh, there's always options. A new stadium has to be bigger. I don't know. Thoughts on that? During the last show, we had some clips from you, Senator Burkai, about the incredible year that we saw with the Bruno Mars concert, Guns N' Roses, big events. 2019 was the best year for the stadium ever for the concert you just mentioned plus remember there's a Dallas Cowboys Los Angeles uh, Rams football game and let's not forget monster truck that was the second most attended event in 2019 I didn't realize but now I realize that we have a pretty big motor enthusiast community here in Hawaii so we we're trying to appeal to a number of different interest groups and not be fixated although the UH football team is an important tenant they cannot be our only focused uh, tenant there that we need to embrace all sorts of entertainment opportunities that might come Hawaii's way if you're listening and just joining us here on Hawaii Public Radio, uh, we are talking about uh, plans for a new stadium at Halava or maybe Manoa. Uh, and we invite you to call in and join our roundtable talk. Call 941-3689. Uh, again, uh, we'd love to hear uh, from our listening audience. You know, we did uh, uh, also hear from uh, Governor Neil Abercrombie, who had some concerns about the larger events that are coming in. And the senator says, the soccer, it's minor league. And they're not paying a nickel for the stadium, and they're going to take all the money out. You think they're going to come here and leave the money in Hawaii? Concert, Snoop Dogg. Oh, yeah, Snoop Dogg wants to leave a lot of money in Hawaii. They take the money. Guns and Roses, they might as well put a gun to your head at the, at, at the box office. They're taking the money. It's all leaving. And they don't pay a nickel for the stadium. And you take 25 acres away that could be for housing. I don't understand you tell me, 
you tell me. I want, you know, I hope the senator can tell me to my face. How, how is it possible if you compare monster mash trucks against housing for people who, who have to pay a million dollars just to have a teardown house on Kapahulu Avenue? So, Senator? <laughs> I totally agree with the governors that affordable housing is a serious policy issue that needs to be addressed. I do differ that 98 acres in Halawa is not the silver bullet to answer all of Hawaii's uh, housing shortfalls. And when you look at affordable housing, it's a money loser, right? Whatever the cost might be, hundreds of millions of dollars to build X number of affordable units, that's a sunk cost. Juxtaposition that with what we I said at the outset, where we have an opportunity to make this place really come alive and become a revenue opportunity. So the revenues that we get off of this new entertainment district can go build affordable housing along the rail line in other areas of, of, of um, the community. And so that's where I agree housing is important. I disagree that the Aloha Stadium has to be the solution for all of our housing woes. And Chris, you know, uh, Governor Abercrombie, you know, talked about, you know, these big events come in here, the, uh, the promoters come in, put on the concert, and they take the money and run. Which, you know, they do get money, that's why they come here, but really that's not, again, the whole picture. All you have to do is look at the stadium's financial statements, their annual reports, and see that in that banner year of 2019, they saw tremendous income and revenue. The stadium has been self-sufficient operationally for all of these years, uh, going on 46 years. This year was the first year they had to actually ask for support because of COVID-19 and having to shut down. So it's a misnomer to think that all the money goes to the event. You have all of the ancillary funding that comes in. People who travel here, they're buying airline tickets, they're staying in hotels, they're eating dinner, they're entertaining themselves when they're not at the event. And so all of that funding, as the senator was saying, unlike housing, is coming in and it's replenishing our supply. When we get self-sufficient, the excess funding can go into more programs for statewide benefit. With housing, it's a one-time deal. And so we agree affordable housing is important. It is a component in our master plan, but we have a more global perspective. You have 21 miles per, you know, proposed for the heart and a lot of properties along those sites. Let's spread affordable housing along the rail so that multiple communities now can benefit from affordable housing and all the benefits that brings to infuse uh, mix within the communities. Do you want to talk I, about rail? Or can I ask oh, sure. add just one thing? What about the, the desire of the community to have entertainment? And when it's not here, then local people leave. I mean, a good example of that was this past weekend when the University of Hawaii played UNLV. Thousands and thousands of local people went to Las Vegas. Of course, Las Vegas is alluring, but people here in Hawaii have an appetite to watch entertainment, whether it's a football game or Bruno Mars or, or whatever the case might be. So although Chris talked about the influx of revenues coming in. What about the, if we don't have opportunities here, more local people are gonna watch um, Korean K-pop stars on the mainland or, or elsewhere. Why not bring those acts here to kind of right size um, the entertainment desires of local people? Yes. And you know, I was uh, uh, thinking when the governors came out with this proposal, you know, Manoa, why do they want all those uh, people going to Manoa? And then I thought, well, maybe it's a way to be uh, to ensure that rail gets to Manoa, which was the original intent, uh, you know, decades ago, that you get the crowds over there, they're going to have to build rail and extend it all the way down uh, to Manoa, where you know, where uh -huh, the the uh -huh. base is. Uh, so initially, I, w I was thinking <laughs> maybe that was, you know, one of the uh, motivators and and how this idea uh, came about. But I mean, let's talk about rail because yes. there is a rail system there, yes. and the whole plan was. People will go to watch games. People come in from the west side. So I don't know. You want to add well, something there? It's a great symbiotic relationship that we have with Hart, especially with the station there at the stadium and the whole transit-oriented development that really benefits the whole community and embraces that multimodal transportation concept. We look forward to working with them. They're working on their schedules so that when we have events, they will beef up their system and help more throughput for fans to come in and leave the site. It also makes sense because tourists can go from the airport straight to the events and straight to the number one attraction, was, which is Pearl Harbor. More so, I'm sorry, than you hate, you know, than a game. 
they bring in millions of dollars there and people don't know what to do before and after their ticket for going in to see the tours. So this is where we look at the whole market being um, serviced by heart along the entire route. So it makes sense for us to be there. And I think a lot of our studies to this day have shown that that is ideal. And, you know, there are possibilities for hotels, right, to be included in this mix? Yes, everything's on the table, um, including affordable housing. So let's not forget (laughs) that even with the RFP that Chris talked about earlier that's out, there is accommodations for 3,000 affordable units. So it's not as if we're saying we're just going to go for market rent uh, housing there. We have made accommodations there. So everything is on the table. Shopping centers, hotels, business offices, theaters, you name it, museums. I mean, that's where the people and the public has an opportunity to help us mold out what that place looks like. Not to say like, no, 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 we're going to just scrap all of that and put affordable housing on on those lands. We do have a call on the line. Glenn from Kalehi. What's on your mind? Yeah, so, you know, um, my wife and I are a long-time UH football uh, season ticket holders and attendees. Uh, We live out out in Waikele, so it was uh, uh, relatively convenient to go to the games. So we're really disappointed when uh, it seems like it was uh, such a last-minute thing that they close the stadiums to, uh, to attendees. You know, and uh, and uh, so was it a last-minute thing? I, why wasn't uh, why didn't the stadium, stadium authority give more warning to the state or whoever whoever had the authority, whoever uh, decide could decide? Because I mean, it seems like the whole thing was uh, poorly planned. I mean, the uh, shutdown of the stadium. Yeah, good point. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate the question because that is something that hasn't had much airtime on how that happened. And when we started this project in 2018, there was never an intention to shut down the stadium. Uh, As Senator was saying, 2019 was a banner year. They could have kept operating. And that was the intent. So when we heard the governor say, too, that our Crawford plan was flawed because they didn't plan for an alternative for UH, that's because we did not intend to shut down. And the instructions were keep the stadium operational. We're going to service UH every single season. But then COVID-19 hit and it was devastating. And at that point, as we said, it was the first time that the stadium had to ask for help with operations. We also did not get enough funding to maintain the stadium structurally. As you know, that's the whole issue that we have with our beloved rust bucket not being able to sustain the audiences. And that's the determination we got late last year or middle of last year, basically saying without infusion of more money, it is not safe to put fans in the stadium. It was a heart-wrenching decision that the board had to make. They tried to put it off as long as possible. And that's why it might seem like it was last minute, but they desperately did not want to do that to UH or any of the fans. Yeah, I, I think it really kind of caught everybody by surprise it was like what and you're doing what to UH they have no place to play exactly it was not an easy decision okay well uh you are listening to uh the conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio you can join our discussion about the proposed Aloha Stadium and the entertainment district by calling 877-941-3689 we'll be right back right right after a short break Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from PAR Hawaii, whose nearly 700 employees help to keep Hawaii on the move with more than 100 heli and 76 gas stations on Oahu, Maui, and Hawaii Island. parhawaii.com. Next time on The World, we're in a forest in Colombia. This farmer is harvesting coca leaves. Others will turn his crop into cocaine. He says he knows it's illegal, but it's also his only source of income. A U.S.-backed anti-drug program is expected to spray his part of the forest with a herbicide. Small farmers caught between poverty and the war on drugs. Our story from Colombia on the world. 
beginning this afternoon at 1. Support for HPR comes from the Honolulu Museum of Art with new tours evoking divinity and sustaining Hawaii, exploring historical context and cultural relevance of works across the museum. Registration at honolulumuseum.org. Talking about the proposed Aloha Stadium redevelopment plan, we do have a caller on the line, Richard from Salt Lake. Thank you. What's on your mind? Hi. Two quick questions. First, I'm, I'm a resident of Salt Lake, Aliamanu, and a, a very large, big uh, supporter of the redevelopment plan. From what I understand, there was affordable housing originally planned for the development. Is that still the case? Yes, 3,000 units. 3,000 units. Okay, great. And secondarily, I'm also a huge soccer fan and supporter of having a professional franchise return to Hawaii. I watched all the tsunami games back in the 1990s. Now, how, how much talk is there with the United Soccer Leagues, and is it plan to be a USL Championship League team or at one of the other lesser there are three three leagues in USL Championship League 1 and League 2 and I really only think the championship division their higher league would work in the Hawaii market well, Richard, you know way more about USL than I do. I just know them in their, as an entity. I don't know about the, the different levels of USL. But I will say that two weeks ago, I was in Tampa, where the USL is based, uh, with three stadium board members. And we visited with them and got assurances, as well as a letter of intent, that they will come once the stadium is built. And, you know, oftentimes in government, we, we build it and we cross our fingers and hopefully that's going to get utilization. And I think that we in government, this particular project should take a page out of the private sector and let's secure demand and then warrant the construction of a stadium. So some of us in government are doing our due diligence by trying to lure the USL, the United Soccer League here, as well as Major League Rugby. We're in some serious conversations with them as well and are close to getting a letter of intent. So we have tenants ready there, not just UH, and consider that UH plays six, maybe seven home games. USL says they're going to come here and play 40 games. Major League Rugby says they're going to potentially play 20 games. So you're talking about 60 new games plus 6 UH. So we have 66 opportunities for entertainment there versus building a stadium for 6 games. So we need to take that into consideration as we look at should we build a stadium. We're trying to show the public that there is demand for a stadium and that the new stadium will be utilized far more than the current stadium has been. And Richard, you know, we did get an opportunity to talk to Daniel Holman with the United Soccer League. Uh, you know, the league, uh, they have their sights set on the World Cup in 2026, but here's what he told us. So what we're proposing and what we're offering is that we can guarantee 40 to 45 events a year in that stadium and think of the traffic that that will drive to the surrounding district, to the bar, the restaurants. The great thing with soccer is it's a two-hour fixed window. So not only does it become a two-hour marketing for Hawaii because of our ESPN deal, where every game is on ESPN+, Plus, but it also helps to drive traffic to the local economy. Those bars, restaurants, you can obviously bring in exhibitions you know, given the location of Hawaii, we think that, you know, there's a great demand to bring in Asian teams, Australian teams, you know, pre-season and stuff, which then become major regional events. But really, we're looking at this because we think we can add value to the overall project by guaranteeing 40 to 45 dates across both women's and men's um, soccer, professional soccer, which can only enhance the project as a whole. You know, and I recall covering uh, the uh, AYSO 
uh, soccer competitions over at the YPO uh, soccer field, and there were many families that came over from the mainland and competed there, and they were saying, oh, yeah, well, we wish we that there was some place that we could stay that was closer to this area. So when we talk about a hotel at the um, Halava site, I mean, there's room for what, one or two hotels? or We're looking at uh, possibly two hotels, and it's going to be up to our developers as they look at the market. But really, we are looking at business class hotels. We're not going to compete with Waikiki. We're not doing luxury. We're saying bring your families, bring your guests, and come here and stay. So when I look at when I travel for an event, they don't all fit in Pagoda Hotel anymore. But this will be right on rail, right off the airport, and at the location of the event. So absolutely it's a great opportunity. So you could fly in, jump on the train, yeah. go to your hotel, go to your games. Exactly. Eat, visit, and you can travel elsewhere and look at other other activities on the island as well. We do can have I add yes. one thing. Uh, uh, in addition to the economic opportunities and the entertainment value, the United Soccer League has these academies. So you just spoke of AYSO. Uh, they will help you know, develop local players into ta in talented uh, into talented soccer players. And what we always kind of uh, bemoan in Hawaii is how we have talented athletes here, but they all go off to the mainland, right? The Marcus Mariotas, the Tua Tagovailas of the world. But with this academy system that USL is setting up, um, they will develop local players. And of the 43 teams that USL has across the nation, they make a concerted effort to have local players on those teams. So we might have the next up-and-coming soccer super sensation out of Hawaii, and that person doesn't have to go play for Houston or LA. That individual, male or female, could be playing for the Hawaii-based soccer team. So this is a, a really neat opportunity. In addition to all of the economics of it and the entertainment value of it, it's a real opportunity for us to nurture and cheer on our own stellar athletes. I did uh, talk to uh, Daniel Holman about that very thing. Uh, here's what he had to say. On Oahu alone, there's 20 plus youth soccer clubs. So there's a huge soccer culture already that exists on the island and in Hawaii across all the islands. So, you know, one of the things that attracted us, and we've been interested in having a team in Hawaii for a number of years, but of course, like any national league which has a national footprint, especially a country the size of the United States, you know, you have to build up the scale and uh, the kind of sophistication levels. And we've done that. We're now, in terms of uh, the soccer stadiums that we're building, we're actually the, the largest builder of soccer stadiums of any league in the world currently. We're looking to build 25 to 30 stadiums in the next four to five years across both of our, or across all of our divisions. And if you think of um, the population of, of, of Honolulu and Hawaii, you know, you're looking at an MSA in Honolulu itself alone of a million plus people, right? And across the entire state of one and a half million, I believe it's like the second largest metro area with no professional sports team, right? So there's a huge gap in the market there. Currently, in terms of kids who are playing soccer, they've got no nowhere local to aspire to. And, you know, part of the the growth that we've seen across the country has been developing clubs in these markets that can be an inspiration for the kids who play soccer to aspire to play for these teams. And so it's something we're really excited to try to instill. And, you know, our overall goal is focused on developing strong community-driven or community-based clubs, right, whose goal is to win soccer matches, compete for championships, and represent their communities in the best and most authentic way possible. And where better to do that than a market like Hawaii, which has arguably the strongest local identity and strongest local con culture of any state in America? Yes, yeah, so in his mind, the time is ripe. Certainly. And can I make a real quick pitch for rugby as, as well? <laughs> okay. um, because you look at rugby, and Japan went from a nothing rugby country to a top-tier country in 10 years. And that's the game changer in my mind because, you know, if, if New Zealand, Australia, Fiji, Tonga, Samoa have vibrant rugby teams, really what's the economic benefit for Hawaii? But once Japan became a prominent player in the rugby world, then all of a sudden Hawaii is well positioned. Remember, we were talking about the orientation to Asia. Hawaii is well positioned to be the center of rugby growth in, in the Pacific. So I think that... Uh, Soccer, as well as rugby, can be great tenants for this future Aloha Stadium. Okay. I wanted to echo that too, Senator. I was thinking the exact same thing. 
We went to New Zealand two years ago. We watched all of the Olympics. And when Japan got into the market, that opened all the doors. We have fantastic kids here that can get right into rugby right away. My kids are learning the rules, and they're saying it's a lot more exciting than football. Sorry, that's still important. <laughs> but rugby is something that more people can just get dig right into, and we have a lot of players here that yeah. can participate. I've seen them at Kapilani Park. Yeah, <laughs> exciting. <laughs> we have another call on the line. Mark from Koho'olawe. Hi, Mark. Hi. What's your question? Um, observation really quick. Forever we have been talking about the second city and the west side, and you guys earlier were talking about the uh, YPO soccer area. There's the Hans Lalonde area when we had baseball here as well. I'm just interested why we're going to go to a densely populated area to build a stadium where infrastructure is a little tight, whereas we've got this great rail system, hopefully it will be done soon, that we can take people from town and have them going out to the west side, because forever we were talking Second City, the west part of UH, and developing that campus. And it's just odd to me that, you know, you can still use your 90 acres for maybe housing, or even if you put in your hotels and such, but it would be a way for people in town to utilize rail. And also there's enough room out there, hopefully, that you could still build a stadium. And like you said, as far as soccer stadiums go, um, the Los Angeles Chargers of the first year used a stadium that the Los Angeles soccer team does, and that's like 25,000 people. It's just an observation, something to think about. Think outside the box sometimes. Thank you. Thanks very much. Chris, do you want to address this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Mark. That's a very good point. And one of the first things we did when we started looking at this in earnest in 2018 is we took everything off the table, no assumptions on where the stadium should be, and we did a straight technical review, a site selection study. So we looked at everything from Olivai Golf Course and you know Kapilani Park, UH, we did Sand Island, all the way out to Kalailoa, UH West Oahu, and all of the areas. And while we recognize that the population base has shifted to the west, the fact is that we still do have ideal infrastructure leading to Halava. It was you know head and shoulders above all of the other alternatives because of that central location and the infrastructure. When we looked at West Oahu, the infrastructure is still not quite built up to support the activity that would be drawn to that area. And we recognize that both the Windward and East Honolulu sides would be challenged to get over to uh, the West Oahu area. Heart won't be reaching out past Manoa anytime soon. And so those are some of the issues that go into that selection. And people can go on our website, nasa.hawaii.gov, and check out the site selection for themselves. You talk about infrastructure. Uh, I did manage to uh, reach out to the city to find out about the sewer capacity. And I was told that they did have a timeline uh, to, uh, I guess, the enhanced capacity uh, out there in Halava. Uh, it, it's not under any kind of federal consent decree. They just said, we know we need to deal with this, and so this is our plan. And what they showed me was, uh, you know, replacing the force main, uh, the timetable was 2036 to 2038. I mean, that's kind of far out there. <laughs> Yes, we've been working with the city on this for years. Obviously, infrastructure is one of the biggest concerns we have. So for the stadium, we're fine because we're going from 50,000 seats down to 30 or 35,000 seats. We'll actually have excess capacity in all of the utilities. From there, we take the excess capacity and we look at ways to provide infrastructure for the real estate development, especially the one that we anticipate going parallel to the stadium. So we are looking at many creative alternatives. Uh, ENV from the city and Department of Health and um, even Board of Water Supply are working very closely with us on ways that we can be innovative to provide the necessary infrastructure, including considerations for possibly on-site wastewater treatment. So uh, we are uh, you know, spinning those creative juices and it's been the most collaborative effort we've ever had. But absolutely, we're gonna stay in tune with that. And uh, the city said there was some kind of hybrid plan, which would, uh, I think, uh, bring that timeline closer down to 2034. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not really sure what that entails. Do you know? I'm not sure about their hybrid plan. Um, we are, like I said, still looking at alternatives that they provided us to look at. Maybe that's part of it. And we are looking at that might be enough to help us get well into the first phase of the real estate development. And then from there, the rest of the 78 acres or 75 acres left will be incremental over a 20-year period. So we're not talking about building the whole site in five years. 
well, who's going to pay for this if we need to, s to speed up the timeline on the capacity building for the infrastructure? Would the developer or the state pay for that, do you know? I would think that the state is the one that puts in the infrastructure and what goes on top of those lands are going to be borne by the developer. Is that correct? Chris? Yes, that is correct. Okay. That's what we're looking at. All right, so that's something that's going to have to be addressed, uh, whether we build a new stadium or not, that that uh, capacity has to happen. For the real estate, yes. And we are looking at alternatives where the developer could, as we said, do some on-site wastewater treatment. So that would probably be a mix between some infusion from the state and hopefully by then some revenue for the later developments to be okay. self-sufficient. You know, we did uh, uh, offer our listeners a chance to be able to uh, give their two cents and a number of listeners called in uh, on our talkback line. Uh, here's a sample of what we got. Hi, my name's Russell Rite. I'm calling from Honolulu, and um, you're discussing this, the stadium. I, I've actually been mentioning this for years, and when I suggest this location, when you hear the, the location, you're going to grimace and shake your head immediately. But I ask that you give it a minute and think about it, let it sink in, and who knows. Uh, the stadium, I think, should be very modestly built. It should be maybe one-third the size of Aloha Stadium, and it should be set up so that when a football is thrown down the field and you're watching this on TV, as you're following the football, you see the, the waves in the background and surfers. Same thing with the baseball. It should be a multi-purpose type of a place. Very low pro profile and fit in beautifully, and I think we should put it on Magic Island. Magic Island. Um, I think that's what would work. If you think about it for a little while, maybe the party's not there, but it'll be right in the neighborhood. Close to what is Waikiki town. That's my suggestion. Aloha. Hello, my name is Wilmar Alvarado, and this is my thoughts on the land that the Aloha Stadium occupies. I believe that land should have a new facility, a multi-purpose facility, in which football, soccer, and other events such as concerts and graduations should be held there. In addition, that land should also incorporate some business-slash-housing uh, development as well. Those are my thoughts. Thank you. Hi, my name is Kathy. I'm calling from Honolulu. The one thing that nobody's brought up in reference to building a new stadium back at the Stan Sheriff's area on the University of Hawaii is the traffic jam that is so terrible getting in and getting out of that area. Manoa has limited access roads in order for emergency vehicles like fire trucks and stuff like that to go into Manoa. The problem with having it at that location is nobody's talking about the traffic jam that the police has had to work around for years. And building it there is not a solution. Not if you want to be bringing in that many people. Okay, bye. So it's all over the map. People are very passionate. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, Chris, you wanted to say something? Sure, yes. Um, first, I wanted to thank Russell for being very creative in his ideas. Um, Magic Island was something that we looked at. When we did do our site selection study, though, we recognized we need at least 20 acres to just build the stadium. Ideally, you need 50 acres to get everything that goes with the stadium around it. So Magic Island would be really tough to do that. It's too small. And the people in that area would have a heart attack for the congestion that would create. However, again, our site selection study looked at all of that. And please go look at it and check out how we came up with our location. I also wanted to thank, you know, Wilmar. We are looking at that business slash housing development. You know, we talked about a range of housing, including affordable housing to support the area, business hotels and businesses on site. Because the real mission is a live, work, play and thrive area. So we're opening the fences, we're bringing the community back in. It's not going to be just a, a sea of parking with a fence around it. We're talking to the community about what brings you in, what will bring you on the site 24-7, 365 days a year. What do you need? What kind of gathering spaces, cultural spaces, educational spaces? What businesses do you want? We heard from the IA High School uh, principal that 46% of their kids already know they're not going to college. You know, how sad is that? So how can we bring educational components so kids can be educated, maybe trained and work on site, get jobs, and then eventually afford to live in the, their own community? That's the holistic big picture of what we're talking about. That's 
spurred by a stadium and the entertainment district. And you were just at a, a neighborhood board meeting last night? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. I did say I wanted to hear from them again and because typical in Hawaii you have the silent majority. We hear so many people in the last week talking about affordable housing, and we shared renderings because we're not going to blindly just throw out numbers. We did a rendering of what 20,000 affordable housing units look like, and for some, 100,000 units. And I shared that with them and said, please tell me, is this what you want? Am I missing the point? And there was a strong resounding, no, absolutely not. There's no open space. It does not invite the community in. And as Senator Wakai said, it's a one-shot deal. You build the housing and that's all you'll have. So um, I really appreciate the the, the input that you're getting now that embraces the whole concept of building a district for the community. I have to admit, when I saw the graphic, the visual of what 20,000 and 100,000 units uh, looks like, I I just kind of gasped yesterday. Uh, And I'm sure if if the community saw that, they're like, whoa. Yep. You're not even going to be able to see the stadium from the freeway. It's You're going to have to be in a drone to see the freeway, I mean, the, the stadium amongst all of the high rises surrounding it with affordable housing. Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about infrastructure, how much infrastructure do you need for 20,000 homes, families living there all day, not just a singular event, and then the cars that would be related to that. So there's a lot more to that story than just plunking down a number. I immediately thought, gee, did anyone run this by the fire department? Because that's a lot of uh, high rises. And if there was a fire, uh, how would we fight it? You know, exactly. I'm happy to say we did talk to the Honolulu Fire Department about their presence on site. We see tremendous value having them there as well as HPD and ETS. So we're looking at ways that we can accommodate their availability for this district and the outlying community. And I would be remiss if we didn't talk about tailgating, <laughs> uh, because Senator Rakai, I know you said that we have to think of new ways to be able to enjoy the games. And uh, people say, oh, they look at the, the proposal for Halava, they said, oh, there's not a lot of parking. We're not going to be able to tailgate. If you build it in Manoa, I don't think there's going to be a lot of uh, space to do that either. I just think that currently we have a stadium surrounded by 90 plus acres of asphalt. Um, and in the future, yes, there's going to be less asphalt for tailgating. But you think about the tradition of tailgating. It's kind of boring because there's nothing, no place to eat within a quarter mile of the stadium. So, of course, you have to bring your cooler and your hibachi to go cook if you want to eat right before the game. So I appreciate that. And we'll have some level of opportunity for tailgating in the future. But let's think about starting a new tradition where you go into a a local restaurant, uh, a big city diner, a Ruby Tuesday, a Chili's or what have you, Buffalo Wild Wings. You go and eat with your friends and you walk straight into the game. The game is pow. You walk over there, maybe get uh, something to eat or drink before you you go home. I mean, we, we can start new traditions there rather than be fixated on somehow I need ample parking to to tailgate that is is something that we we need to not discount but not be fixated on as well so i think people are just worried of you're not going to tailgate period you know and it's like tomorrow (laughs) there's no more tailgating (laughs) and that's farther from the truth as, as well because the development will take years to take up the whole 98 acres so we'll always have open space probably until like the third phase which would be in your you know 15 year time frame so what we're talking about is adaptation of the site and local traditions. We gave a presentation a couple of weeks ago talking about the history of stadia in Hawaii. And when you go back to the Honolulu Stadium and the Termite Palace, imagine that in Moe'ili'ili, there was no parking. And yet you drew twenty to 30,000 fans there. And that's where you saw all of the influx of traffic just flowing through and within the community and enjoying exactly as you said the local restaurants local bars or whatever entertainment in the area it became part of the community and so from there we went to the stadium although stadium with the new idea of a stadium in the middle of a sea of parking which did nothing when there was no event there and we're going back to giving back the site to the community so we have about two minutes left any final thoughts Well, I really appreciate the governors uh, pointing out that affordable housing is a serious need here in the state. And hopefully in the past hour, we've indicated how, you know, that solution is not solely, should not solely be borne by the the 98 acres there, that there are grander, bigger opportunities that we 
should chase. I think just putting 20,000 affordable units on that property is really going to shortchange the the immense opportunities that are in front of us. So I'm fully behind going forward in an expeditious fashion to get the stadium entertainment district built out soon. And Chris? Yeah, our excitement for the new entertainment district is to work with the communities and all the stakeholders to bring something that's going to be a gem for generations to come. So I guess we'll have to see uh, what kinds of um, bids come in Yes. Uh, at the yes. end of the year. Well, the actual proposals will come in next year, but we're going to have the next qualified real estate team by January. And what we're saying to the community is come out. We're going to have a lot more outreach. Come out and let your voice be heard. Come be part of the process that determines what is built here, both for the stadium and the real estate. Okay, so they can bone up by going to the website and, and uh, <laughs> figure Thank out uh, uh, what is the fact from fiction and, exactly. and how that might all play exactly. out. We're wide open. We're open to answer any questions and do any presentations. All right. Thank you. Well, we would like to thank our guests, Senator Glenn Wakai and Chris Kanimaka, and we thank you, the listener, for joining us on today's show. If you have a comment to share about the show today, call our talkback line at 808-792-8217. Send us an email at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. And if you want to listen back to the show, check out the conversation podcast at hawaiipublicradio.org. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow for more of the conversation.